Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Indie Pioneers by Cosmetics Design Asia, where we get to hear from some of the most fascinating independent beauty brands from Asia Pacific. My guest for this episode is Dan Terry, the founder and creative director of Ula Lab, an independent fragrance label based in Singapore. Dan joins me to discuss how the role of fragrances has changed in light of the COVID-19 pandemic and talks about his interest in fragrances beyond the realms of traditional perfumery. Here to tell us more is the man himself. Hello, Dan. How are you? Hi, Amanda. I'm great. How are you? Good enough. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much how I feel these days. Good enough is it's, it's very acceptable, given. Well, anyway, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. In the past 18 months, there has been a huge change in the relationship between people and fragrances, you know, and I want to know exactly how has that impacted your role as a perfumer? I mean, I think from a, uh, from a functional sense, uh, the fragrances have been quite predictable, um, you know, due to the virus and people have uh, um, gravitated towards fragrances that make them feel um, comfortable and cocooned, uh, as well as fragrances that um, that give us a sense of uh, security from, uh, from germs and bacteria. And uh, so these are very strong cues and they continue. But uh, I guess from a uh, fine fragrance perspective, uh, things are a little bit more interesting because people haven't really been able to um, socialize uh, and also travel and intermingle like in the past. And I think what's come out of that is that uh, people have realized uh, the power of fragrance, not only in uh, defining uh, their own style or, or rather communicating non-verbal uh, messages to you know people around them but more so the power of these fragrances uh as personal triggers and um and and uh tools to tap in our own sense of nostalgia and memories and so forth and and obviously also the virus this uh, the impact on our sense of smell i think it's also kind of brought that sort of power of the personal sense of, of smell uh you know further into the picture so aside from Ula, you also have a wellness brand, uh, Nana. Yeah, with essential oils and blends, and I imagine that must have done quite well recently. Uh, I mean, definitely, there's a lot more interest in it uh, going on. You know what's going on around us, um, but uh, we're still pretty busy with Ula. Unfortunately, I think Ula still gets uh, too much of the attention. <laughs> well, aside from, you know, these two brands you have, I understand that you conduct things like scent walks, you know. So could you tell us a little bit more about it? Uh, I guess you could say I'm a real humanist and uh, you know, I've just been fascinated by this space for so long. Uh, when I talk about this space, I, I refer to the, the human act of olfaction or, or, or our ability to smell and how it is just such a driver of... Um, um, individual expression, but also cultural expression. And so uh, we decided to to host these local scent walks uh, to take people on journeys into the environments and see uh, how, you know, what role our sense of smell plays in in defining these environments as, uh, as personal, uh, cultural, but also really uh, what role they play in um, placemaking. Because if you realize uh, we as humans uh, are very ocular centric and we really are focused on what we see around us. And if you look at, uh, for instance, heritage buildings, we're, we're so focused on preservation. But, uh, but nobody really gives a second thought to preserving, for instance, heritage aromas 
and an example I could give for you is uh, a few years ago, uh, the um, the smoking of the, the Arab water pipes, I think they're also called uh, hashisha pipes, um, around Arab street uh, were uh, banned. Of course, obviously for health reasons, but I think when you realize, I mean, I used to remember walking uh, around those those alleys and, and laneways, and uh, you just have this kind of background um, uh, a mood that is set for you. A largely, uh, I mean, it's a combination of things, but one of those mood drivers is that subtle, sweet uh, aroma of that uh, of that tobacco. And, and I guess contextually, that that is uh, a heritage marker in a way. So I think I, we just wanted to raise the status of the sort of a discussion and how we should actually uh, not only be so uh, focused on what we see, uh, but rather how other senses can drive these kind of things. And also because our sense of smell is so automatic, it's quite unusual for people to be pulled into an area that they're familiar with, but to actually just look at it through our sense of smell. It's almost in certain ways uh, rediscovering an environment. Interesting. Is there an area you would recommend I go for my own scent walk? If you ask me, of course, I mean, Chinatown and Little India were just the top of my list because they're just so rich in, in, in olfaction, <laughs> just, it's just rich in, in just sensory cues and so forth. So you can never get bored over there. Mm, do you think you'll be doing any more of these kind of scent walks in the future after COVID? I mean, we always gravitate towards these kind of things. So um, whenever they do pop up, it's, it's it's quite hard for us to stay away. You know, part of my objective of, of doing these scent walks was, again, to build this credibility around uh, protecting um, aromas or fragrances uh, associated with certain environments that could potentially be heritage. I think, you know, if we don't realize that there is importance to these things and there are markers in our time and, and in our culture and so forth, they, they will be forgotten. That's interesting because as a as a local, I've always found that this country is so small and so sterile, and I, I couldn't imagine there could be a lot to discover. And I guess I have to rethink that. Oh, definitely, and yeah, and and I think a good example for you is I mean I know a lot of us haven't travelled for a long time, but when you you go overseas or go on holiday, whatever the case is, and you return back to Singapore, it, it almost hits you immediately uh, from the airport. Oh, you're right. You're right. For me, it's the smell of Changi when I when I finally step off the sky bridge, and you know that's the welcome home scent almost. But I think there's also other cues. Uh, when you walk out, there's like the kaya toast. So you have a, uh, um, you know, you have I mean that toast and, and the honey, and uh, and even things like laksa, uh, I think is just such a iconic cue for me. You know, this leads us very well into the next question I have about, you know, Asia's role in the fragrance world, not just as a consumer of fragrances, but as a creator and producer. You know, how do you think this has changed over the past few years? Uh, you know, I think obviously uh, increase in popularity and gravitation towards social media uh, in particular has changed a lot about how we uh, purchase products and fragrance products um, and how we express ourselves through them. So I think that has definitely leveled some of the playing fields and allowed uh, Asian creatives to also uh, be heard. Uh, I think, you know, beyond this this period that is mostly behind us uh, of, of the blockbuster fragrances, I mean, we still love them and they still continue to be launched. But I think there's this uh, uh, growing um, an increasing fascination around the hyper-local, uh, 
and this could be around uh, local stories, uh, local cultural nuances, but also not to forget local ingredients and, and local kind of flavors in a sense. So I think there's that's a massive space, but it's uh, that belongs to, to those that will be bold and I think manage to tell really interesting stories that resonate with people. And of course, Ula has ventured out internationally. You guys recently expanded into the Middle East. You know, how has the reception to the brand been over there? Uh, it's been pretty good so far. Uh, of course, uh, we we set up at, uh, I mean, our timing was uh, a rather challenged. But, um, you know, I, I think um, because Ula also, it's a very... Um, cultural and 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 and, and hyper local kind of a brand and and we we wanted to go to a, a location where we could be immersed in quite a different culture um and just to see the the role or the place where we fit uh because if you also look at our brand it's uh it's genderless it's black and white uh it's quite different shall i say to a lot of uh, the traditional uh and popular fragrance styles but you know having said that um, it, it really is a rich market and culture for fragrance. And I think having brought our own, you know, our own kind of unique passion and spin on things, uh, I'm pleased to say that I think we've, we found, we've, we, we, we found our sense of belonging. You know, there's still growth and there's still work to do, but uh, a lot of it was also going over there and, um, you know, I, I joke about it, but I use this phrase, I say, let them tell us how bad we are, in a sense. Like, because you don't know until you know, or you don't know until you go. And, uh, and, and you know, often you learn a lot more by just keeping your mouth closed and, and just listening and seeing. And, and I think that's really the, the spirit that we went with, to just try to take something from a different angle, but also to just expand the discussion and uh, enrich enrich people and enrich the local market, you know. And, and, and I think we're, you know, so far we're, we're moving in the right direction. Well, after your experience, are you expecting to see more Asian labels competing on the global stage? The answer is definitely. And, and, and again, because we have such a, a rich culture here, but also a richness of, of, of raw materials uh, that we can tap into, I think there's, that's an endless source of inspiration. Um, you know, you also see this kind of discussion around uh, the term Oriental, um, which is kind of fascinating. I, it's largely driven out of the U.S., where uh, they feel, you know, this this term or for for class of fragrances or, or even as a family of fragrances is is um, well is antiquated, uh, and, and that it should be reclassified or described but you know it's such an interesting point and 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 so um you know i've taken this to a number of groups um you know we've been working with uh, been doing some corporate workshops and so forth and it's it just especially being based in singapore it's something that I, i'd wanted to uh, put out to everybody as such and get their input because for me um the term oriental in in a sense to fragrance almost implies this this richness that the rest of the world does not have so but I, you know, I can understand both sides of the story. It's just, you know, us as humans, we're in a way to try sanitize everything and just be so politically correct about everything. We kind of sometimes also lose a little bit of, you know, texture. Yes, texture. Thank you. That that's a good way of putting it. But uh, but I mean, I can definitely feel for for people, and especially some people out of the U.S., where you know such a term may be 
seen as derogatory or, you know, um, a reference to the old world. But, uh, you know, I just have the sense of, oh, you're traveling into the Orient. And I just think of this world of just riches and abundance and uh, uh, discovery, you know. So so that's kind of what gives me a really good feel about that. But um, obviously that was a little bit of a tangent discussing oh, that. No I just I want to put it out there as well because I wonder what will ultimately happen. I mean, I think a lot of houses have already started to use use a term like amber, for instance, over oriental. But, you know, what can I say? I mean, that's why our sense of smell is processed on, the, on a nonverbal side of our brains. You know, I think uh, fragrances are probably often better uh, not being uh, described in words. They're too beautiful for language and for words is what I think in a lot of ways. But, um, you know, I think, and, and also for us being an, an independent brand, um, that the challenges to reach a global audience are, are still some of the same, even though I think uh, social media in some senses has leveled the playing fields. Um, the challenge with fragrance is uh, one of logistics uh, and also, uh, I guess you could just put it down to sampling. You know, people, uh, the barriers have lowered to people, you know, buying things sat and smelt, can I say? But I think still there's nothing like getting a sample of a product into somebody's hand or them smelling something on somebody else to really drive that kind of uh, credibility and recognition. So I think while there's definitely a lot of potential for Asian brands, that those challenges kind of remain, which is how to move beyond those kind of uh, physical um geographical boundaries uh, and like i say largely related to the logistics of getting products to people well then we're running out of time but before you go i want to know if there are any niche fragrance brands that you admire you know if i had to name one it would probably be uh, uh ds and Durga. and uh it's a husband wife team and i believe he's a musician or ex-musician she's an architect and they uh, I mean, he's a he's a self-taught perfumer, from what I understand. But what what I love about him is uh, there's a an understatedness to 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 their branding and packaging, somewhat similar to ours in a way that it's um, it's just it's not it's not overhyped at all. Um, definitely not oversexualized in any way. I guess I just buy into the authenticity of their story as well as a as a couple team that works together and 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 curating or your or you know this stewarding can i say this brand as they go forwards so so that's one and uh there's another brand i mean i haven't tried it yet but uh it's called gabar or gabar so i don't know what it smells like but it, it has this heritage related to myanmar something about the aesthetic or maybe the story it just um piqued my cur- curiosity right right i definitely have to check them out yes Yes. Well, Dan, thank you so much for your time. I had such a great time chatting. No worries. I always enjoy talking to you as well, Amanda. I've also got to book a time to go see you down at your studio. I haven't done yes, that yet. Yes, please, please. We're waiting for you. This has been Amanda for CosmeticsDesignAsia.com. Join me again in the next episode for more conversations with beauty's indie pioneers.